We're going through a series on the book of Proverbs. And if you are visiting this morning, just um, a brief overview. Proverbs is this is known mostly as its collection, as this collection of these sayings, these uh, short, pithy sayings that reflect godly wisdom. But the sayings don't really begin until chapter 10. The first nine chapters consists mostly of poetry. And it's uh, these series of poems between a father and a son. Sometimes the mother is there, but mostly it's the father and the son. And the father is poetically telling his son that there are two paths in life. There's a path of wisdom and then there's the path of folly, path of foolishness. And, and the father is begging, um, pleading with the son to pursue the path of wisdom. And that theme uh, plays uh, a central part in our passage this morning. However, in our passage, there are two new things, two things we haven't seen yet before. And the first is the reference to the mention of a grandfather. So wisdom we are seeing is now um, passed down through the generation. So that's the first thing we're going to look at. The second new thing that we'll see in our passage is the father really singling out and pursuing the son's senses. So his ears, his eyes, his mouth um, as they pursue wisdom, but then even moving beyond the senses, going after his son's heart, but then also his feet that they may not swerve to the left or the right off the path of wisdom. So there's a lot in here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the passage. I'll pray for us and then we'll begin. The passage, we're in chapter 4 of Proverbs, but um, our passage is really the bookend passages of the chapter. The first few verses and then the last few. So if you could please, if you're willing uh, and able uh, to stand for the reading of God's word from Proverbs 4. Here, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. And then skipping to verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Pray with me, please. Father, we come with thanksgiving, thanking you that we may gather together as a people, that we may study your word We also come expectantly, we come humbly asking that by your spirit we may truly hear what it is that you have to say. I pray that you uh, restrain my own sin, restrain my wayward heart, and that the gospel may be proclaimed clearly and effectually by your spirit. So come now, Lord Jesus, be magnified in this place. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. 
from May to September 1787. I'm a history guy, so from May to September 1787, there was a group of folks who met in Philadelphia. And though it wasn't exactly their original intention, uh, they ended up writing a new form of government for a very young country, uh, the United States. And one of the key figures in that group was a guy named James Madison. I refer to him as Jimmy Mads. He's my boy. Um, and Madison, like a lot of the other people at that time, saw the importance of the moment that they were in. That the life of that nation was just starting and it needed a sort of north star. It needed something to guide it as it went through the turbulent days that it had ahead of it. So in the weeks and the months leading up to what we now call the Constitutional Convention, Madison was very busy. But he wasn't busy just sitting in a room thinking about how to write a new government or anything. He was busy looking back. He was, he was busy going back through history, studying the ancient republics, the Roman Republic for 500 BC and all these other ones that had existed. And he was studying what worked and what didn't work. And he was trying to learn from the past of how that may inform his present as they prepared for the future. So, in other words, Madison wasn't just sitting on his own trying to think really hard of what to do, but he was seeking the wisdom that history was offering uh, concerning what he was faced with in writing the Constitution. In a sense, he saw himself on the bank of a river. I'm sort of a visual learner, so just picture Madison standing next to a river. And uh, he knew that upstream, uh, the past, there was a lot that he could learn from. And maybe he even pictured himself in the midst of that mighty rushing stream propelling him forward. And he was trying to gain what wisdom he could, he could from the past as he was now propelled forward. Now, I am sure that many of us, um, probably all of us, uh, even the kiddos that are with us, have been in situations where we have needed the advice. We've needed the wisdom from those who are older than us, those who have gone before, those who have uh, simply more experience than we do. I have been an ordained pastor for a whopping six months. And I am... <laughs> Yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm six months in and I'm still going. Uh, but I am gaining as much, trying to gain as much wisdom as I can from as many people as I can who've been in ministry a lot longer. Some of you are sitting in this room. And some of, I think my current count right now at mentors is somewhere around 12 to 15 different mentors, some of which don't even know that they're a mentor. Um, but that's how hungry I am for, uh, for wisdom. But, whether it's learning a, you know, learning a new job, um, or maybe even a new sport, maybe it's learning a new instrument, um, whatever it is, even writing the Constitution, we benefit from the wisdom of those who have gone before us, things they did well, but then also the mistakes that they made. We see this truth played out within our own families, right? Uh, certain ways of doing things that are passed down through the generations, be it recipes, be it ways that we fix things around the house. I've got some friends who have some amazing 
uh, this amazing, rich heritage of storytelling, just amazing stories that are being passed down through the through the family. Um, another family friend um, has a fa- comes from a family with a very strong song heritage. Songs being passed down through the generations. Um, I think there's something very powerful in being connected with a rich heritage. There's something that happens within us when we connect with uh, a lineage that precedes us, a rich heritage that precedes us. It's something that in influences the way we see ourselves in the present. Uh, I was talking with a lot of people uh, in between the services who, who um, they came up and just started sharing with me family stories. Um, and and um, heirlooms that are being passed down through the generations, and they're on display in their living rooms. And it's just this way of being connected with previous generations. Well, Ancestry.com knows this. And this past week, I saw a commercial that I think very well speaks into what we were talking about this morning. So um, let's take a look. Dear foremothers, your society was led by a woman who governed thousands, commanded armies, yielded to no one. When I found you in my DNA, I learned where my strength comes from. My name is Courtney McKinney, and this is my Ancestry DNA story. Now with five times more detail than other DNA tests, order your kit at AncestryDNA.com. That little bit at the end kind of ruins it, doesn't it? <laughs> this amazing story of her lineage and she's able to find her, her story and where she derives her strength. And then now there's like the five more, five times more accuracy and all this it just kind of breaks the, the magic in the moment. But they're really onto something, uh, ancestry.com. There, there's just something about how we are made and what we are made for that, uh, makes us long for uh, a sense of transcendency, something to make us connect with something bigger uh, than ourselves, outside of ourselves. This, this is very central, a central part of what it means to be human. And that's why, there, again, such as this longing to know our history, whether it's having a family member who is sort of the family historian that collects all the stories and the pictures and the heirlooms maybe, or uh, just through all this DNA testing that that people are doing now. What's my inheritance? What's tr- what traits or what um, skills uh, do I have that I have inherited from my parents and then their parents before them and their parents before them? How can I seek to, as we heard Courtney in that commercial, derive strength from knowing the lineage, the heritage? And I think, in a way, this is very much our topic this morning. And it's not so much traits or skills that are being passed down through the generations, but it is wisdom. And as we'll see, and I hope to make this uh, argument that the wisdom is far more that we inherit. Uh, the wisdom that we inherit is far more than sayings. It is that, but it's a person. Ultimately, wisdom that we are pursuing is a person. And of course, this is Jesus that I'm talking about. For now, though, in our passage, let's do a little bit of um, reading of our passage and, 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 and learning from it. We begin by seeing 
a grandfather passing wisdom down to a father who then passes the wisdom down to his son. So it's right for us to now come and sit at the feet of our heavenly father and listen as his sons and daughters as he teaches us this wisdom. Look at verse, uh, let's do verses three through five again. So this is the father speaking. When I was a son with my father, tender, when I was tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, my father taught me. And he said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. I think a lot of times we don't, we don't really see our parents as kids. And we ask uh, if I can see some kiddos here. If you've ever thought of your parents when they were kids, have you ever seen your father as a little boy or ever thought of your mother as a little girl? I know I didn't. My parents were just always adults. It was just a fact. They were born adult. I imagine your situation is probably similar, uh, that our, we just don't see our parents as kids. But here we see a father explaining to his son that when he was a kid, he needed wisdom from his own father. He needed to be taught from his father. And now he's passing that wisdom down to his own son. And what is he saying? What's, what's the father saying? He's saying, internalize what I am saying to you. Let your heart hold fast to what I say. In other words, don't ignore my wisdom. Verse 5, don't forget it. Don't, don't turn away from what I tell you. Get wisdom, get insight, keep my commandments, remember my teaching, and live. And when he says keep my commandments he, and live, he's saying live by what I'm teaching you. It's very forceful. Very forceful language. These are imperatives. These are commands that the Father is giving the Son. Receive my wisdom that's been passed down. Keep it and live by it. Walk through life according to this wisdom. Skipping to 20 and 27, the end of our, end of chapter 4, the Father is continuing with his urging, but again, this time he's, he's going to the Son's senses. And just to kind of summarize a little bit, he says, turn your ear to me in what I say. Keep your eyes fixed on this wisdom. Keep your mouth focused on what I'm saying. And then moving beyond the senses, he tells them to make sure your feet don't swerve from this path of wisdom. The Father is saying that with your whole being, all that you are, not just your mind, but all that you are, pursue wisdom. Commit your ways to wisdom. And at the core of his being is, of course, the heart. Concerning the heart, the Father says at verse 23, if you look there with me, he says, keep your heart. Another way it's been translated is guard your heart. And we have certain sayings in Christian circles that become a little bit cliche. And unfortunately, when they reach the status of cliche, they lose a lot of their meaning. So perhaps you've heard this saying before, keep your heart or sorry, guard your heart. We can't forget the power behind that. What is really being said in that? Keep it, guard it with all vigilance, with all that you have, keep it and guard it because from it flow the springs of life. This is the core of who you are. Now, a question. Why does the heart need to be guarded? Why does it need to be kept? Well, it's easily swayed, right? 
I've, I've heard the heart described this way. Um, picture being dressed from head to toe in a, a full body suit with hooks all over it. Constantly, as you're walking through life, it's constantly grabbing on to other things. And such it is uh, with our heart constantly being swayed. So we need to guard it. We need to protect it. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand the heart? Um, Jesus even says, Matthew 15, that is what comes out of the heart that defiles us. Which is why what? It's why we need our hearts cleansed. But after all that I've said up to this moment, after all this case that's being built, you might be asking yourself at this point, great, I understand I'm supposed to be pursuing wisdom and seeking after it with my whole being. I get that. But would you please tell me what the wisdom is? It's kind of like that moment where you, you maybe you've been taught or someone's instructing you on a new task that you're supposed to do and, and the person is like, okay, now listen, main thing, make sure that whatever you do, you absolutely make sure that you, and then the phone rings or someone walks up and distracts them and then you're left kind of saying, well, but what's the thing? What's the wisdom? And that's a little bit of that tension that we're feeling now. We're in chapter 4 of Proverbs. The Proverbs really don't get going until chapter 10. So what are we doing? We're building a case. The author is building a case for why wisdom should be pursued. So in one sense, we're still in that build-up phase. But in another sense, we're in a completely different place than the original hearers of Proverbs. What do I mean by this? Well, it's 2018. And like James Madison that I mentioned earlier, we can feel in a sense that we are standing on a bank next to a river. And the river that is flowing before us is biblical history. It's a history of a people of God. And if your faith is in Christ, in a sense, it is also your history. It's your lineage. Now, if you are not Jewish, like myself... How do we need to understand this as being our family? Well, what does the New Testament say about us and our status? We are grafted in. We are brought in uh, to this rich heritage. So in this sense, we can see this as our spiritual lineage, our, our history. So that's what I mean when we're saying like in one sense, we're still in chapter four. We're still building up for the history. But in a second sense, we are in a, in a different place concerning our lineage. We have recorded in scripture a story of how God created uh, all things, how he created a certain people for himself that he would enter into a relationship with, a special relationship called a covenant. And the covenant had two pieces. The first piece had with it a list of do's and don'ts. If you're going to be my people and if you're going to live in relationship with me, there are certain things that you should do and other things you should not do. And this is the law, the do's and the don'ts. That's central part of the covenant. But then another part of the, of the covenant is a promise. That one day a redeemer would come, a savior would come and save God's people for their inability to keep the first thing, the law. So through all the years, the wanderings of God's people, the going through the desert, the different kings, the united monarchy, the divided monarchy, uh, the battles, the prophets, the exile, uh, the return from exile, through all of this history... And heritage 
Through all of this, the people of God were waiting. Like verse 25, with their eyes fixed ahead of them, waiting for the Messiah, the one who would come and rescue God's people from their sins. And through all that waiting, stories were gathered, scriptures were written, and were passed down generation by generation. But still, let me go back to this question. Why are we in a different place than the original hearers of Proverbs 4? And it's this, because we are living in the time following the coming of the Messiah. We're in a different age. They were looking ahead for the Messiah. We are looking back. And therefore, our primary focus, and hear me on this, our primary focus is not the list of do's and don'ts, but our primary focus needs to be a person who is Jesus. But what about the wisdom? What about everything from chapters 10 to 31? What about all this other that is mentioned in Proverbs? Are we to now just toss it out because we're living in this time following uh, Jesus' time on earth? No, of course not. We are still to pursue wisdom with our entire being, with our, with our minds, yes, but also with our eyes, with our ears, with our mouth. We need to pursue uh, our feet <laughs> that did not swerve, and we need to guard our heart with all vigilance. But we also need to understand wisdom in a new way because of where we are in time. Let me explain what I mean by that. There are two passages in the the New Testament. Paul wrote them both. One is from Colossians and one's from 1 Corinthians. And this will set for us a lens through which we can look at what wisdom means. And let me explain. Colossians 2. In Christ, Paul writes, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is hidden the treasure of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, it's because of Him, and because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In Christ, we find wisdom from God, but not just wisdom from God, righteousness, big terms, righteousness, a right standing before God. Sanctification, a growth in holiness, becoming like Christ. And then lastly, redemption. The word redeemed means to be purchased, bought back, transferred from one sentence to a new status. And it's all in Christ. So because of when we live in time, when we pursue wisdom, may we not ever Pursue the sayings at the expense of the person. Seek the person. Christ is wisdom come from God. He is that wisdom. He is that heritage that's been passed down through the generations. And it's so fitting that we have the kids with us this morning. These are our covenant children. And we are called as those who are mature in our faith. We are called to play a role in nurturing the gospel in the next generation. So, I'm going to go there. We need help in our children's ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Just made that shameless plug. But we do. And I hope that you see that me asking you to consider volunteering in our children's ministry is not just me up here saying we need volunteers. I hope you're seeing how I'm framing it within Proverbs. 
This is something that is passed down, and now we have the, the, the honor, the privilege, to sit in, a, sit in a room with a bunch of kids and say, you know what? We're a lot alike. You know how we're, not, how we're a lot alike? Number one, we both screw up. We're both broken. We're both sinners. Me, just like you. We both need a savior. First thing. Second thing. You know what else we have in common? We're constantly trying to build up our own values based on the reputation from others, the validation from others. We do it. But every time we do it, it's going to end up failing us and come crumbling down. And another thing that we have in common is we have a desire for transcendency. And maybe if you're hanging out with a bunch of five-year-olds, transcendency might not be the right word to use. But we all pursue this thing that we have within us that we want to, to, to experience something greater than ourselves. It happens all the time. Something greater than ourselves that we can identify with and have that define us. That's something that it just means to be human. And then you get to tell a child that you will always be disappointed if you look for that thing outside of Christ. Christ is the only one who will be able to fill that for you. Imagine the, the privilege, the, honor, the, the ability to sit down with some kids and tell them that. So yeah, consider helping in our children's ministry. Is this a new message that you're hearing from me? This gospel message? No, it's not. And God forbid if I did say something other than the gospel, right? Paul says that over and over again. Preach the gospel we received. And so what I am telling you is something that we have received and has been passed down for 2,000 years. This is not a new message. We are a people who have been saved by grace. That's our lineage. That's our heritage. And I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far, but I do want us to consider Scripture as our ancestry.com. Courtney and the commercial, wants to look back in her history to know where she derives her strength. And I'd say that's a perfect analogy for Scripture. This is where we go to find strength. But you know what? We also read that in this, uh, in, in Scripture, that Christ's strength is made perfect in weakness, which I know is a different sermon, but uh, going to scripture is a, def- is, is a way to find out who we are, what our lineage is, but most importantly, whose we are, right? Not just who we are, but whose we are. And uh, I want to point you in um, the direction of Romans 8. If you want to read more on this, Paul spends a lot of time on this, and I would suggest you read it more than once because it's pretty profound, but Romans 8, he talks a lot about this idea of whose who's we are, and therefore what difference does it make. Now, to close, um, let me just say a couple more things. I don't know where you are spiritually this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know what kind of opinion you have of yourself right now. I don't know what sort of anxieties... Uh, or, or um, difficulties you're facing right now. I don't know. 
And it's one thing I'm, I'm excited about being back here with you all so I can learn that. But, um, but I do know several things. First thing I know is that you are loved. So hear me with whatever you're facing, whatever week you've had. You are loved by your heavenly father. And I know the mention of a father perhaps may conjure up all kinds of other stuff, but fight against that. Our perfect heavenly father loves you. Second thing, you are forgiven. Because of Christ, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are forgiven. And I'm being Trinitarian here. Third thing, you're not alone. That the spirit is with you and the spirit is active. Okay. There's no waste in the economy of God. The Spirit is there. Um, so again, I don't know exactly what you're facing, but though knowing those things, and I guess the fourth thing, knowing that we are, through the Spirit, being adopted, grafted in to this rich heritage, um, must count for something. This is who we are. And um, there's nothing that we did to earn our way into this family. Um, and since there's nothing we did to earn our way in, there's nothing we can do that would get ourselves kicked out. This is our eternal family. And just like uh, we kind of hear with our earthly families, like it or not, we're family and you're stuck with me. Right. And this is with even an eternal lens to it. Those truths must count for something. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are not alone and you're part of a family. Those are beautiful things. And, and, and again, we have the opportunity to receive that as it's been passed down through the generations, to receive it, to guard it, to protect it, uh, but then also to pass it on. And may the Spirit help us with that. Please pray with me. Father, there's always so much more that can be said. But I pray that what was said will be received will be applied. And we're about to leave from this place and we're about to go on with our Sunday afternoons and then we have Memorial Day tomorrow and then we've got Tuesday and the week and all these other things. But I pray like we read from Proverbs 4 that we will not forget, that we will not let our feet swerve to the left or the right of the truth of the gospel. Empower us, give us the desire to grasp it, to hold on to it, to keep it, to guard it, and to live by it. All for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.